It's Sunday evening and you're thinking about work the next day. On a scale of one to 10, one being you absolutely have a pit in your stomach and you dread going to work and 10 being you're so excited, you can't wait until the next morning to get there. Where do you fall on the scale of dreading Mondays? In this episode, my guest, Kim Laughlin and I take this apart. We talk about why people often do dread Mondays and how you can start to look forward to Mondays. Kim Laughlin is an expert in helping companies and businesses to change and transform the environment in which people go to work. Kim is a transformational coach and she has helped many businesses in establishing a thriving culture. So if you have felt that you dread Mondays and you want to know how can you possibly feel better about going to work, then this episode is for you. Welcome to the Masks Off for People Pleasers and Perfectionists podcast. I am Kim Gross, your host, and it is my mission to help you unmask from people-pleasing and perfectionistic behaviors so that you can finally have the confidence to live the life that you truly desire. Let's tune in to this week's episode. I have Kim Laughlin, and we are going to talk about how different people show up in the workforce, particularly if you struggle with speaking up in the workforce. Maybe you feel like you can't say what you need to say. You might feel nervous asserting yourself or sharing your thoughts and your opinions for fear that you might be ridiculed, reprimanded, ostracized, whatever. So we're going to talk about having confidence in the workforce, what it looks like when you don't, and then how to have that. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what makes you and what makes you tick in the world. I am, I own Cultural Apex Coaching. I'm a leadership communication developer and trainer, and I work with teams as well. I was a former head of HR for many, many years and realized the importance of people getting along and the culture being good so that you can love Mondays. Um, we don't want to go through our life waiting to retire to enjoy our life for a good 15 years when we spend 40 years trying to get there. So that's why I do what I do. Yeah, it's such important work because for a majority of us, we do spend so much of our time at our jobs, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And if you are dreading it and you are hating it and you hate Mondays, as you said, oh my God, what a freaking shitty way to go through life, right? Let me just hurry up and get through the next 40 years of my life so I can hurry up and retire because I hate what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I love the approach that you are taking on this and how to have the conversation, starting the conversation, and then shifting that paradigm. It's so important. 
So one of the things that you and I talked about beforehand is that one of the things that can contribute to dreading Mondays or just dreading your job in and of itself is if you have either the people-pleasing personality or tendencies or even perfectionistic tendencies, either one of those type of tendencies can really contribute to you hating Mondays. But let's first talk about the people-pleasing tendencies, the lack of confidence, the wanting, feeling like you can't speak up because if you speak up and say something to your boss or a coworker, either A, they might just shoot the idea down right away, or B, there's a fear culture in the workplace, a fear culture that whether spoken or unspoken is palpable, that keep your ideas to your freaking self people. Cause I don't want to hear them. I I'm the boss. I know how it should go. So I'll tell you it's my way or the highway. So any thoughts on that, Kim? From a team member's perspective, coworkers, they don't speak up. They don't get what they need from the job, but let's understand that we're with these people. Like you said earlier, 40 to 60 hours a week, even if you're working remotely, it is. So you're constantly thinking how you can help that other person, whether they ask it or not. Right. So your, your mind is always racing. So when I see that tendency happening those relationship type people, I am like, that's why I'm a coach, but I'm, I was able to compartmentalize it. So if you stick with the facts, you can raise your hand. If you work off emotion, I say, Whoa, hold on, talk it out with someone. It is really important though. When you realize you're people pleasing, which is oftentimes for those who do it chronically, they can't help it. They're just part of, they want to help so much, but it winds up being something that it doesn't work for them. We all know that when we have conversations with our coworkers or our bosses, oftentimes it's emotionally driven and that can be a problem for a lot of people because if it's emotionally driven and they're frustrated, they're probably not going to say anything because they, they don't want to displease the boss. They don't want to displease their coworkers. They don't want to have that cold shoulder. They're trying to get rid of that uncomfortable, but they're making themselves so much more uncomfortable. So what they're doing is absorbing of that and they wind up not being the best coworker that they are. They're not being the best leader that they should be. One of the biggest problems I see when I work with clients, because they're not going to step up and speak for themselves, even though leaders might say, hey, listen, is there anybody that has any more questions? Is there anyone that may need help to get through whatever it is the project is they might not want to seem like they can't do it or they're they're incapable of handling it or they're risking their skill set and they don't want to lose their job or not be thought of for promotion i will say for those who are 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 holding back speak up work with someone that can help you exercise and, and and loosen that muscle because that's what people look for promotions they look for that for longevity in an organization and it's 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 not much easier said than done i get that because the ones that do speak up will overtake the room sometimes. And then you feel like you're even further back, right? Yeah, I was going to say, so as a recovering people pleaser myself, that I can remember situations in the past where the fear 
-hmm. of speaking up would paralyze me. So I can just imagine sitting in a conference room or in a boardroom. And if I had that type of fear, my boss saying, if you have anything to ask, or you have anything to add, speak up now or forever hold your peace. I could sense and see myself just sitting in the back and feeling like, oh, I want to speak up. I want to say something. I have a really great idea or I have a grievance or I have a concern because this is happening in the workplace and it's making it, the environment uncomfortable. And so I have this need. We all have this need. We want to go to work and we want to feel good. We spend so many freaking hours there mm-hmm. with our coworkers that I want to feel comfortable where I am for that many hours. And if something is happening that makes me uncomfortable and I'm too afraid to speak up about it, because what if I speak up, will my coworkers think I'm too much? Will they think that my boss say to me, if you don't like it here, there's a door. Don't let, don't let the door hit you in the ass on your way out. Like those would be the type of fears that I could see myself or another people pleaser having and why they wouldn't speak up. They would just keep quiet because they are conditioned. They are freaking conditioned from an early age to believe that their needs, their wants, their desires are undeserving. So they're just going to be quiet and they're going to, as you said, they're going to hate Mondays and they're going to go there because it's a paycheck and they have a family that they have to help support but they're going to be miserable. Kim, just think about that. How freaking sad is that so many people in our society spend more than half of their lives going to a place where they're miserable to then just retire and what, and look back and say, what the F did I just do with all my life? This is a real problem. Don't you think? So that's where my leadership training goes into high gear. So say I'm talking to a leader and they say, we always say, I might, my door's open, come talk to me. I ask in meetings and I teach them how to look between the line and not just read between the lines. Look and see if you have that, that Kim Laughlin that sits in the back all the time, that never says anything, that's go find out. That's why you were the leader. Go reach out, have, and I always teach them how many one-on-ones do you have with your team? How well do you know them? If you don't know your team, you're not going to be able to cut through that red tape and mm-hmm. you're expecting something of someone that you know nothing about or don't know enough about now. So I, I like to try to not use the word nothing <laughs> or always or everything because mm-hmm. we don't always have that, but getting as much 360 as you can. So when leaders are frustrated, when I've talked to them about that, I've shown them how to do it 12 times, they are still doing it wrong. It's because they're, they're afraid to say, I don't understand, or they, you're being pleased by them going, yep, got it. But they're not going to, they're not going to step up and say anything, mm. give them some grace, learn how those folks can be helped along. You can go out there and say, listen, Hey, Sally, I noticed you didn't have any questions, but sometimes there's body language that mm. someone might raise their eyebrows or something where they can say, uh, or if they sit further back. 
it's like they have a question, but the body language is showing you something opposite. I know there's a lot of body language experts out there and they might be able to agree with some of that. So we try to teach people in the leadership role to look past the tactical and really understand the person. So when they see something and they're obviously not raising their hand in the meeting to go and say, hey, listen, how did you think the meeting went? Did you have any questions? There might be a trust with a coworker within the room. There might be a trust with the leader or a simple just, I'm not comfortable. But if they're given the opportunity to speak up, because someone thought enough of them to say, hey, listen, I was just wondering, you're a little quiet, but that's okay. I think the quiet ones are the ones that absorb all the information. Come sit with me for a minute. Tell me, how do you think that should go? Now that you've, we're one-on-one, -on -one, what do you think? And they're like, yep, nope, no problem. That's okay, because it won't change overnight. But there's times when you could, if you do it enough and there's enough cadence and consistency, you will help those those folks that don't speak up, the people pleasers, be more productive and proactive in their role, but also become the person that they were meant to become. And leaders have such an important role and can draw that out because I tell leaders, you're there for your team, it's not the other way around. So how can you help that one person come and be the person that you know that they are? Some mm. people just need some help. I love that. Yeah. So then the other thing that I had mentioned was the perfection piece, right? So let's mm -hmm. say that again, another scenario, the leader, the boss, the people in charge create an environment and create an environment of where mistakes are really not allowed. They might say, mm -hmm. It's okay to make a mistake. Nobody's perfect. I understand. But when the employee does make a mistake and they know full well that their boss or the leader is going to be really disappointed and really upset. And then that then spirals because if this person, and there are many probably half of our society suffer with perfectionism and perfectionism mm -hmm. is believing that it's all or nothing. I have to either be all in, get everything right all the time, exactly. And I'm supposed to learn something new and get that right away without a learning curve, without the growth mindset. And if I can't do it perfectly, then I'm not going to do it at all. And then maybe they might even start not showing up to work as often. The absentee rate goes up for those employees and they're having no belief in themselves, no confidence because they're learning again, either whether it's conscious or subconscious, it's overt or covert. They are learning that in that environment, there's this super high expectation for almost mm -hmm. freaking perfection. So mm -hmm. how do you help leaders in that situation to be mindful and aware of not creating that type of toxic environment? And I've worked on this and had to work through this. So oftentimes you have, I work with the leaders and say, what is your, I ask the question, if you could wave the magic wand, mm -hmm. what would you change and, or add or subtract? I change it up a little bit. Oftentimes I'll wait to hear what their challenges are. This person isn't showing up for work. Maybe their work is less than 
uh, palatable. <laughs> they're handing it in late there. Mm. And there isn't any dialogue in between. So when I'm hired, I never, ever not work with the leaders and I work with them first. And when I hear those conversations, there's, so I say there's absenteeism and then there's presenteeism and presenteeism is when someone is at work and not doing the work that they should be doing. So we heard a term called quiet quitting. And they said the definition of that was you're getting paid to do exactly what you were supposed to do. I don't have a problem with that, mm. right? Presenteeism is when someone comes into work and they're on their phone, they just know that they're not gonna be able to be approved no matter what they do, they're at a loss. Oftentimes, most people will leave. And if there's a lot of high turnover, I'll say there's either a trust issue or there's a perfection issue mm. or there's a cultural issue. So the, the trust con comes in and that's uh, many layers in there. However, um, I'll say, what is it that you expect? Tell me about that person. They don't know anything about them. Maybe there is there is a few instructions that, well, I went to this school. I didn't need to have that. And I expect my team to be the way that way. So by, again, turning that mindset of how to be the leader for your team and not the other way around it's really diving into your expectations are a little too outside the realm of possibility you're not giving them any space to be productive and for growth and we need to work on that so i often carve out a lot of time with leaders that are very micromanaging and very high expectation of perfection and micromanaging is an indication absenteeism is a high indication not all the time but most of the time and it's the happiness level in the office is takes a dive absolutely takes a dive so i work with leaders i but with them i've been in business for 10 years i've had many conversations with people of all you know types and when it comes down to that it's you're just setting them up for failure what are we going to do about that and once they become aware it changes I was going to say, I was just going to ask you how open and receptive are these leaders to that kind of feedback from you? I work with the leaders only. And if they, if all the leaders are on board, then great. And so we start with that. Sometimes the, if there's a lot of pushback, I, I just really hone in and stay on track with, okay, you're there for your team. So what are you going to do for them instead of what you can do to make something happen? happen and some take longer than others but they do come around because the results are not there and unless they change what they're doing the results will change what you're describing is that quote or saying the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results so if these leaders yes, yes. want to continue to get like on their high horse and stand at the podium and in the board meetings and say, it's you're like, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Our company is like struggling because you're not doing rather than, okay, I'm the leader here. Maybe I need to take a look at what I'm mm -hmm. doing and what I need to do differently or as a, a group or whatever. At the end of the day, whatever you're getting is a reflection of the leadership. Oh, would you yes. agree with that or no? Yes, I think that it your team is your responsibility. It is yeah. the onus on you as a leader to lead by example. If they don't see you make mistakes, they're not going to want to make mistakes or they'll they'll start sabotaging 
other. You create this culture of chaos if you run a ship like that. And so if there's no vulnerability, accountability with leaders, it makes me go, okay, there's a little bit of a red flag there. And that's what we need to work on. Mm. Absolutely. 100%. I love that. I love that. That is such a different conversation and leaders, not just only in the workforce, but leaders in freaking schools, leaders in the home, us as parents, we, and I can be guilty of this is I do take accountability, but I do sometimes struggle to be vulnerable because of my perfection mask that I'm supposed to be the one who's strong. I'm the one who's got my shit together all the time. I'm the one who's super competent. I'm doing all the things. I've got a zillion tasks going on and I'm multitasking and I'm in a good mood and a happy mood and I'm there for this one and I'm there for that one. Those are all characteristics of the perfectionist. (laughs) And so it's important as a leader and a mom, like a leader of my family and a mom that I start to demonstrate that it's okay to be a hot mess. And that is something that I have been saying more recently with my 21 year old, because I could see the perfectionism in her. And so I just needed to start saying, like talking about me being a hot mess and it's okay. It's okay. Give yourself some grace, some compassion, some space. It's Mm -hmm. all right to be a hot mess. Sometimes we are not supposed to have our shit together 24 seven. And that's what I fear is the toxic message and toxic work culture that you're supposed to come in every day to work with a smile on your face be ready to pump out the most and best quality work, regardless of whether your kid was just throwing up on the way out the door, or regardless if you just got divorced or your mom, you just found out your elderly mom has cancer or whatever the case is, leave all that stuff at the door, which to some extent, yes, you have to, because you have a job you have to do, but is there room or space in the workplace to for a leader to maybe even be more aware of his or her employees and see, do you see a look of sadness? Do you see a look of distress on your employees? Like 10 minutes, Hey, you want to come in my office? Maybe it could even be something that's on a regular basis. Like once a week, an office hours, like where they can come in and just share what the freak is going on or whatever, or a leader just saying, "You, you look really upset. Are you okay? And maybe that employee just needs to come in for 10 minutes and cry or vent or something. And then that person can go back and do his or her job. But where is there room for that? That goes back to what I was saying earlier. How well do you know your people? Yeah. So it might be a lot of people will walk through the office and not say good morning. It's so important to make eye contact, say good morning. Notice if there's something off but get to know you people have regular one-on-ones whether it's once a month for half an hour Uh, start with something it's okay to say you know what i if it makes you feel any better because if we make mistakes and we talk to our friends they're like join the club i've done that too and it in a way is i'm not the only one that feels that way and i know that sounds so cliche so you're right you need to share that with your children to a degree so that they can know when to give you grace 
at a certain age, just say, okay, mom needs about 10 minutes. I need to be just go upstairs and clear my mind. I'll be back because we're not superheroes. And I don't want to be one, to be honest. Like it when it's okay when they can p- find out like, okay, mommy just needs some time. That's what I love about my work is because work and balance, work and home doesn't balance. I, it might or might not harmonize at times, but that's where I'm like, there is no balance. But when you come in and you only have a one-off and someone's not feeling well, being noticed just to, and someone say, no, I don't want to talk about it, but thank you for asking. That's okay. That was enough. Yeah. Because they noticed just because they didn't share with you the details, that's okay. Just saying, at least they noticed and I'm, I'm gonna try and either snap out of it or just be okay today. If someone knows something's up, just leave me alone, I'll get it done. Yeah, uh, It's empathy, It's it'll help. This was such an important conversation because we touched on so many things. We talked about how important it is just to have awareness because yeah. let's face it, not all leaders in the workforce are going to change. Not all leaders and bosses even give a shit. They're just like, it's yeah. my company or this is the way things are run and it is what it is. Yeah. But it's important to have the conversation and you and I are having the conversation And it's really important, as you just said, to have some empathy, to be able to, at the end of the day, recognize that we are all humans and we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to please. We are all deserving of having the life that we want and desire. And to be able to do that with grace and compassion for our humanness at the end of the day so that we don't dread Mondays. And so that what I say all the time is so that at the end of our freaking lives, we're not on our deathbeds looking back and saying, holy crap, I just spent most of my life being miserable. Regretting. Regretting. Don't regret. Start now. Do some things. I know the leaders have the most, the highest ability to make change. Yeah. And that's where I teach them communicate, have empathy, even for the most stoic people, there isn't, there is room for that. And they will see things overnight change. That's incredible. So I love the work that you do. If someone wanted to find you, where would they find you? You Go to my, my website, culturalapexcoach.com. Or you can email me at kim at culturalapexcoach.com. And I'd love to have a conversation if you need to talk to someone about that. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on and having this really valuable conversation with me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Masks Off. Again, I am your host, Kim Gross, and this was Kim Laughlin. And if you enjoyed this episode and found it useful or helpful, I would love for you to leave a review, comment, or subscribe. And I will see you next time on Masks Off.